So what will this week bring? The Fed is meeting. Will they continue to say that they need to keep rates on hold for years to come? Well, obviously they will, even as the markets seem to have a more positive view on the global economy. So who's right on that? Well, we can start by looking at the PMIs from Friday. They looked okay. And we have US and Eurozone GDP later in the week, plus Australian CPI. And we'll ask the question this morning, are shares rising too quickly? It's Monday, the 26th of April, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. And U.S. equities were on the rise at the end of the week. The Nasdaq leading the charge on Friday up 1.4%, over 1% for the S&P and 0.7% for the Dow. Whereas a very different story in Europe with the FTSE 100 flat, the DAX down 0.3%. Pretty mixed in Asia. The ASX 200 uh, inched ever so slightly forward on the day. Uh, And U.S. Treasuries were a couple of basis points higher, 1.56% for 10 years. Obviously well below where they were a month ago, of course. And the U.S. dollar was down almost another half percent on Friday, even though it did rise a little during the week, it was 0.6% down over the entire week. The Aussie dollar gained 0.4% on Friday, uh, but really just back to where it started at the beginning of the week. And the pound was up less than that on Friday, but the euro up almost 0.7%, getting towards 1% up over the week. And oil, another 1% added to Brent and WTI on Friday, but both uh, down a bit over the entire week. So what does this week have in store for us. Well, let's talk to Tapas Strickland, Director Economics for Markets at NAB in Sydney. Uh, So, uh, Tapas, is there a danger, looking at these equities, that stocks are going too far? I mean, we're we're seeing growth signs in the economy, but let's remember, you know, where we're coming from. Is Is there a fear of missing out going on here, which is pushing prices higher? Good morning, Phil. Yeah, it has been an unusual week for equities. Uh, They did rise by 1.1% on Friday in the US. But when you look over the entire week, the S&P 500 was broadly unchanged, just down 0.1%. So uh, on net, not too much really happened last week. Mm. uh, And that came despite better than expected earnings across a lot of the uh, firm's that did report, and this week we get I think about one third of all S and P five hundred companies reporting, including the big tech names. So it's going to be a very big week for earnings, and that will be very important in terms of the outlook yeah. uh, for the S and P five hundred. In, in in terms of whether people uh, have this FOMO of missing out, I think you are definitely seeing that in alternative assets. So things such as cryptocurrencies, uh, mm. there have been a lot of anecdotes of um, money flowing towards those assets uh, due to uh, due to FOMO, and you're seeing that to some extent in the Property market as well, so um, you're also likely to be seeing that in the uh, in the stock market as well. And uh, in some respects, um, just given the amount of stimulus payments that have gone out in the US, no doubt some of those monies have also found their yeah. way towards the stock market. Yeah, well. of course. So yeah, but you're saying basically on on uh, on equities. Uh, yeah, I mean, take Friday was you know exceptional day, wasn't it? Given the given the rest of the week, and we did have a good set of results on Friday. We had PMIs higher than forecast and up generally on last last time, not just in the US but also for the euro area, for Germany, for the UK. I think the only exceptions for for a rise were manufacturing in France and services in in Germany, but then they were still big numbers, well over fifty. And then on more positive news, we had new house sales in the USA up quite a bit as well, but they're they're fairly choppy, aren't they? Generally, uh, definitely. And I guess the key takeaway from the data on Friday was that the US services PMI was at its highest level in at least 11 years. That's the history of how far back the services PMI Mm. goes. So it does suggest that the rebound in activity in the services sector has been particularly sharp in the US. And no surprises there, just given the rollout of of vaccines. And even in Europe, uh, the services PMI managed to get into the positive territory at 50.3 against 49.1 expected. And that came despite the recent tightening in 
restrictions. So markets are very much looking uh, towards Europe now uh, and seeing that what we have seen in the US and the UK, that real sharp rebound in activity as restrictions lift, as you do get the vaccine rollout. And in the coming months, as Europe uh, starts rolling out its vaccine more aggressively, and I think Pfizer said they're going to be rolling out 250 million doses to Europe in Q2, uh, then that should also see restrictions starting to ease in Europe and a very sharp rebound in activity occurring there as well. So the numbers are so strong. If things are looking so get good and we're sort of back on the reflation trade, why is the, the, the NASDAQ leading more than other indices on Friday? Or am I just taking a snapshot of a day and trying to draw too much from it? Uh, I think I think that's right. And I think it's co- it's a combination of two things. So definitely the cyclicals have rallied quite sharply, uh, particularly in the US. Uh, European equities have mm. generally underperformed. Um, so in a reflation trade, they're likely to outperform a- in the months ahead. And then in terms of the tech sector, um, it really comes back down to where the outlook for rates is at the moment. And when you've got the US Fed saying they're not going to do anything in terms of tapering asset purchases or rates for some time, uh, then that adds a little bit of uh, value towards that tech-, tech sector going forward from here as well. Yeah. How long can they carry on with that line, though? I mean, we've got much less volatility. Bonds are moving less. Shares back on the rise, as we've just been discussing. And yet here we have the, the, the and you know, the numbers are looking positive. And yet here we have the Fed this week will no doubt be pushing again that things still need to be managed. Uh, it's going to be harder for them to push that line, isn't it? If we keep on looking at this data, we, we see things are less erratic. We look at the reaction from the Bank of Canada last week as well, saying, well, we're going to bring uh, uh, the easing of bond purchases forward. And, and and probably rate rises as well. Can can the Fed, you know, in all seriousness, be accepted for pushing ahead with this line? That, oh no, it's going to take years. I think they can push ahead with that sentiment for another couple of months. But then, as the unemployment rate mm. continues to fall and continues to fall quite sharply, then I think markets will start questioning that line from here. So for the meeting this week on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, we don't expect any change in Fed guidance. Though we expect Chair Powell to acknowledge the rapid rebound we have seen in the US economy to date. And some in the market are now looking to the August Jackson Hole Symposium as the likely date as when uh, Chair Powell will talk about tapering asset purchases. And just worth noting that the Fed uh, and this subtle change in inflation targeting both from the Fed and the RBA is towards trying to achieve maximum sustainable employment, which basically means they're going to try and drive down the unemployment rate as far as they can. uh, And they will keep doing that until they start to see inflation lifting. And so uh, I think that is a subtle change to the way markets had viewed how central banks um, operated historically. And the Fed isn't going to be raising rates on some kind of histor- uh, historical, even model-driven notion of where Nehru is. So, no, well, which was always moving anyway, wasn't it? I mean, everyone had their own idea. It, it seemed to move around uh, uh, like the proverbials. But the, um, the, the the news is not all good news, is it? If we look at uh, India, obviously, it's very bad news. Israel's vaccination rollout seems to have stopped at 62% of the population. So even though they were very fast on the rollout, not enough for herd immunity. And then in the U.S., Joe Biden's infrastructure plans, uh, it's not a slam dunk, is it? Not all the Democrats are behind the president on that. No, and I think the, uh, the, the infrastructure rollout plans and the delay is one key reason why the U.S. dollar has weakened over the past uh, mm. week and has uh, reversed some of that strength that we had seen over the past couple of months. And uh, on the news-wise, on the weekend, uh, Democratic Senator Joe Manchin was really pushing back on Biden's infrastructure plans and uh, is broadly supportive of the Republican proposal of uh, almost $600 billion instead of the $2.2 billion that Biden had, had proposed. And uh, he noted that he didn't want 
Biden's infrastructure plan to be passed through the budget reconciliation process and that they should go back to working through committees. So that pushes back any infrastructure plans and also probably uh, lowers the envelope on any proposed infrastructure spending. It's just worth noting Biden is giving a speech on Wednesday, so we may hear a little bit more about uh, his pushback in terms of the infrastructure and also his uh, second uh, plan as well. Yeah, and the you know the story which is on the uh, on the front page of the AFR this morning. Uh, at least it, it's on the website anyway. Actually, I haven't seen the front page of the AFR yet, but the it's on the website saying that uh, that you know talk about this potential U.S. border carbon adjustment scheme. So basically, uh, forcing cuts on emissions or face levies, and uh, you know Australia is going to be a front and centre target on that, isn't it? Uh, it does look like the U.S. is following Europe in in terms of that, and that will be quite mm. important in terms of driving a lot of the uh, climate change agenda for countries that haven't necessarily progressed as quickly as towards that target. So I'd imagine that would put more pressure for Australia in terms of delivering on its climate commitments there. Right. And uh, look, later on, this it's a quiet day to day, isn't it? Because, of course, I mean, you know, it, it, locally it's very quiet uh, because, of course, uh, certain parts of the country are off for Anzac Day. But generally it's quite All the stuff is towards the end of the week. But later on in the week, well, we're going to see, uh, it's going to be interesting to see the, the divergence between the US and Europe. We get GDP for both for the uh, in the second half of the week. Uh, and presumably in that, we're also going to see the, Euro, the, the Eurozone is technically in recession. Uh, but also uh, locally, Q1 CPI and weekly payrolls for Australia as well. Yes, yes, that's right. So that, that growth divergence out of uh, the US and Europe is more uh, historical, I'd have to say, in the market's framing of this. Mm. So um, mm. US Q1 GDP is expected to rise, I think, by about 6.5% annualised, uh, while uh, Eurozone GDP is expected to contract by 0.8% in the quarter. But with that vaccine rollout picking yeah. up in Europe, the hope is that uh, activity will rebound in Europe from here. Uh, in terms of uh, the Australian calendar, the most focused is going to be on Q1 CPI on Wednesday. And uh, a lot of focus there in terms of the housing components and whether rents are starting to rise in Australia again, and whether the cost of new dwellings is is starting to rise, just given the amount of activity on the back of the home builder stimulus there. Uh, In terms of where NAB is seeing the Q1 CPI print at, we're going for headline at 0.9% Q on Q, and for the RBA's core trim mean measure at 0.5% Q on Q. Nothing really to change the dial in terms of the RBA's um, 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 outlook at all. And the other one just worth noting for Australia is payrolls data on Tuesday for Australia. And that's going to be for the first two weeks of April. And so it may show some of the impact from the end of JobKeeper at the end of and March. And we started by talking about equities. And uh, I did mention the ASX 200. It's pushing over the 7,000 mark. It did on Friday, didn't it? Uh, and it could soon break the highs from, from just before the pandemic. Even you know, even though we obviously parts of the economy are still struggling. But I guess the same thing applies in the United States, doesn't it? We, you know, you know, we just... just it's hard to tell, isn't it? But do you think we could see it rise more this week? Well, I think it would be very much dependent on the US earnings season. Yes. So uh, I think about one third of US um, S&P 500 companies are reporting. So that positive sentiment, if they all, all do beat and give pretty good guidance, uh, could also see the sentiment lift in the um, in Australia as well. Right. And finally, today, as I said, fairly quiet, but we do get German uh, IFO uh, business climate numbers out this evening. We get the leading index for Japan for February and durable goods orders for the US tonight. So there's a few numbers around. Yes, yes. And the German IFO should broadly reflect uh, what was in the in the German PMI on Friday and that being ongoing strength in, in manufacturing and some easing in the pace of services, just given that tightening in virus 
restrictions. But I think the expectations component of that survey should be very positive, just given the pickup in the vaccine rollout in Europe so far. All right. Very good. Uh, well, we'll uh, leave it there for now. Great to talk, Tapas. Uh, great. Uh, thanks, Phil. And that's it for this morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow. Ray Yattrell's going to join me tomorrow morning. Have a great day. See you Tuesday morning. <laughs>